You are listening to the 3CR podcast of Psychedelia. Psychedelia is broadcast live every Sunday from 2pm. For more information, head to 3cr.org.au. This is In Psychedelia on 3CR, and thank you very much to Freedom of Species, who will be back next week from 1pm. If you want to find out more about Freedom of Species, uh, head to the website, 3cr.org.au, and follow the links to the program page, where you can find uh, their social media links, their podcasts, where you can subscribe to their podcast, and you can also find their website, which I think is freedomofspecies.org, but uh, 3cr.org.au is the sort of central place for all of this information, uh, if you want to go find that out. Uh, my name's Nick. This is In Psychedelia. It's a show about the complex interactions between the altered states caused by plants, synthesized chemicals, and fungi, and other weird, sometimes licking frogs. Uh... Uh, that people have been doing for thousands of years, not just the licking frogs thing, but all of them as a, as a sort of bundled thing. Um... We seek to explore the human issue of desiring these states without defining the conversation around the relatively recent phenomena, uh, policy phenomena of prohibition. Um, So we don't necessarily agree that prohibition is the best uh, policy response to uh, drug issues. And that's what we're here to explore. Uh, Sitting across from me is Ash Blackwell. Ash, how are you doing? Good afternoon, folks. Doing quite well. Long weekend. You know, bicycle day and 420 in uh, one week. It's it's like um, it's like Christmas for uh, enthusiasts of the psychoactive substances world. Uh, did you get up to much for either or either? Well, I was I was at the APS event, uh, emceeing that on Thursday night down here in Melbourne, and I was at the 420 picnic uh, yesterday. Uh, so a bit later in the show, we will be playing some audio that we recorded yesterday there with Matt Riley, who uh, was in the studio last week talking to us about the 420, uh, 420 picnic. And it, it, it is a bit of a different, uh, it's, not, it's not really a protest, it's uh, a different sort of movement. And we get into a little bit of that uh, later in the program. Um, but also on last week, we had uh, Nick Kent, who has been gallivanting across the globe lately the uh national director of students for sensible drug policy australia and uh, he was recently in uh, vienna in austria uh where the united nations office on drug control meets and where the uh, united nations treaties that uh, control how uh, drug policy works in every nation it's a signatory to uh, these united nations conventions which is most most of the world uh so there's a lot of yeah, we, we go into that a little bit later. How long have we got, Nick? Uh, not not long. Uh, maybe we should uh, get stuck into uh, into a bit of news. I think. Well, there's one. So one that I wanted to bring up. It's um, it's not kind of like news, as in mainstream news. It's, it's in the depths of the the. I guess the entheogen kind of psychedelic uh, realm and it's about malpractice from practitioners Mm. so there was recently an open letter published highlighting um, what a lot of people in the community refer to as reckless unethical and potentially criminal behavior uh, by Dr. Octavia uh, Octavio Rettig and Dr. Jerry Sandoval 
Um, they're two people that have been providing, I guess, ceremonies with um, uh, the toad venom, Bufo alveris, uh, with the chemical compound 5-MeO-DMT, um, which, which produces a very strong psychedelic experience. Now, these are some of the most vulnerable pos- positions that a person can be in when they're in the um, state of intoxication, for lack of a better uh, way of explaining it. And um, there's been uh, quite a long uh, history of criticism of some of these techniques, and it's always a bit how do you kind of untangle that in, in a realm where things are illegal and, um, you know, there isn't a, a regulatory model, so to say, to, to be, uh, to adhere to. And then there's also the, the traditional practice. How do you regulate something that's existed, you know, potentially, not necessarily this practice, but these kinds of practice have existed before societies and laws in their modern, uh, state existed. Um, but it is, it is quite a, it's quite a detailed open letter, and you can find that at um, 5meodmtmalpractice.org. There's a couple of dashes in there, but you'll find it if you search that. Mm-hmm. And it's just a reminder that um, while a lot of people do get value out of these kinds of experiences, not everything that happens in the space is ethical or safe, and it's important to do your research. These are very powerful substances. I think um, they are, they toy around with the sort of metaphysics that you forget is going on in your mind all the time, the the, the forward planning, the ideas, the, the future, the, the way that you construct things and put things together. Um, and people do seem to have the ability to uh, see and understand how these work and then use certain... I mean, this is the whole point of um, medically assisted psychotherapy, that they're using certain traits of that experience uh, in a way to try and overcome a psychological issue. But the whole thing can be done in reverse as well, um, especially with psychedelics. I think that was... Um, I, I watched that uh, documentary on the family the other day um, up in the, up in Alinda Way um, where they were giving LSD to, to children and that sort of... That's the complete other side of this. The important thing is having these conversations and that's what we're here for. Uh, this is in Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. Well, there's just one more and I'll, I'll get to it even though it's quite obscure because I was actually there. Um, police have seized drugs from 10 people at a Bukar music festival, that would be in Avanika, out west near Camperdown um, on uh, Friday. Um, and Senior Sergeant Bill Caldo... Uh, said that a small amount of drugs were seized from 10 people who were in possession of a variety of drugs, mainly amphetamines and cannabis. Uh, These people would not face charges but be dealt with with a drug diversion program, cautioning, that sort of thing. Now, that's all well and good. Um, However... There were 16 police officers there, two sniffer dogs, a lot of, uh, you know, plain clothes, kind of drug cops, detectives, you know, it, all, the whole mix. It was a big resource allocation for a festival with 2,500 patrons, which I've attended before mm. and um, from my understanding has an incredibly good safety record. Yeah, absolutely does. Um, the, the worst thing is there's um, a lot of boulders out that way and people sprain their ankles. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 <laughs> that, that was my take was the biggest risk of death would be falling over and hitting your head yeah. on one of the multiple it's, it's rocks. It's that volcanic kind of area <laughs> out Western Victoria. Yeah. But yeah, that's 
the biggest risk. Yeah. So I, I was out there. I went out there to observe the sniffer dog operation. And um, the police were courteous, including Senior Sergeant Bill Caldo. He wasn't too stoked about us being there. And, you know, fair enough. I, I guess it's a real pain in the butt when people yeah. hang around with we'll cameras while you're doing your job. Oh. But the police were, you know, they were they were, they were pretty good. Um, did hear some um, disturbing reports of um, female patrons being forced to... to Kind of squat and cough. Uh, yeah, that sort of thing of always. Um, mm. It always bothers me. I, you know, I, I, yeah, that's, it's super gross. Yeah, it, it it is quite gross. We'll have to have um, not Peter Malins in here to yeah. talk about her recently published um, peer reviewed article that sniffles. went into the ways that people are traumatized by these kinds of experiences, whether or not they even consume or possess any drugs because the dogs do get it wrong. Right now, this is Cheshire with Juicy Beat from the Sugar Flip EP, available at CheshireMusic.org. Playing at the town on the first weekend of May. It's also the uh, Nib and Mardi Gras date, so there's that going on as well. If you want to find out more, culturejam.com.au forward slash events forward slash the dash town. This is In Psychedelia on 3CR. for climate action with some of the people who are on strike today. Can you tell us your names and how old you are? Uh, so my name's Ivy and I'm 12 years old. My name is Marta and I'm 8 years old. My name's Layla and I'm 11 years old. Inequality is at a 70 year high. Our jobs are going offshore, our jobs are being casualised. 40% of us are trapped in insecure work. The richest 1% have more than the 70% of us at the bottom. And workers will stand up and fight. You've never seen a fight before until you back the Australian workers into a corner and tell them they've got no rights. Those workers will fight. 3CR, union issues and workers' struggles. Feed Radical Radio. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. And Psychedelia on 3CR, 855 AM, 3cr.org.au. Nick, with you, with Ash, sitting across from me. A couple of events coming up on May 12th, which is Mother's Day. Entheogenesis Australis presents Garden States at Springvale Town Hall. It'll be a uh, nine-hour, from 10 AM till about 7 PM, uh, venture into the plants where all of these things come from. We will be broadcasting live from there a panel on how the plants and the law of of prohibition uh, intermingle, uh, especially around the 70s and also more recently. So we'll be looking at that. If you want to find out more, entheogenesis.org or check out the uh, Psychedelia social media or website information on our website as well. Uh, Program page, 3cr.org.au. 
And a heads up for everyone out there that the Royal Commission into Mental Health that's happening over the next two years in Victoria has begun public consultations. Now, some of them have already happened, but over the next uh, couple of weeks, there will be public sessions right across the state from country Victoria to Melbourne, which is on the 3rd of May, and Dandenong, St Kilda, Preston, um, right around the state. And it's your opportunity to go if you have had some interaction with the mental health system or indeed even the drug and alcohol system. Drug and alcohol issues are within the terms of reference of the inquiry. So it is an opportunity to contribute some of your first-hand knowledge so that the commission can better understand where the the gaps and failures are in the current system so that hopefully they can be improved into the future. You can find more information at rcvmhs.vic.gov.au. Right now, uh, yesterday was the 20th of April, uh, 420 in American uh, calendar terms, uh, and we went down to Flagstaff Gardens uh, and caught up with Matt Riley from Free Cannabis Victoria. Uh, this is in Psychedelia on 3CR. I like to start off the same way. It makes me feel comforted and grounded. Um, and we're at the 420 rally, so it's in, it's important to find yourself a little bit grounded uh, among the haze <laughs> since this afternoon. Uh, Flagstaff Gardens, it's uh, 420, April 20th, and I'm standing here with um, Ash Blackwell and uh, Matt Riley. Hi Nick, how are you? Good. How's 420 gone so far? Very well. <laughs> so we had you on the show, was it last week? I week believe before? it was. Last week. So we had you on the show last week and um, we talked a fair bit about the police and the positive relationship that's been cultivated yep. over the time that 420 has been happening. Yep. Today... It seemed a bit more tense. Like, what are your thoughts on on how it's going, being able to hold this with the police here, you know, kind of not going too hard on the people? So the the police were a bit more enthusiastic earlier on, but uh, I I think they fairly... Well, I mean, I don't want to make assumptions, but they backed off um, after a little while and things have been pretty cool. I I reckon they found the keys to the sprinkler system. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But that was was, was very kind. Whoever turned the sprinklers on, we were getting pretty toasty for a while there. Um, So tell us a bit about what happened earlier, though, because I arrived later, sprinklers were turned on um, as a passive kind of a way to get people to move on I suppose but apparently earlier Ash tells me that there, and, and you told me that there, some, there were some incidents. Yeah there was a bit of argy-bargy um, someone was arrested I, I, I wasn't there but uh, there was a bit of uh, conflict going on and it, you know, everyone rushed in to have a look at what was going on um, someone was arrested, I'm not sure what the deal is exactly but uh, I subsequently had a chat with the inspector and assured them that I would guide the crowd to the best of my ability to, you know, remain respectful and everything, and they've been cool with that, and everything's been pretty chill since, so... For the rest of the afternoon, the whole time I've been here, I've the, the main thing I've seen is people uh, who have got probably a, uh, a warning. Um, I'm not sure if people have been... I've seen some people being taken away, but mostly warnings... Uh, and it's mostly because they have a, a bong right next to them. So. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty accurate, yeah. <laughs> um, Which is like, I think that's probably where they go, I can't stop doing my job now. <laughs> well, it's been different in, in years past, so I don't know why they've uh, they've changed the approach this year. But um, 
At the end of the day, it's okay. The, 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 we've still had a really good crowd here. The police have backed off. There's not as much smoke, but the smoke's been backing down a, a bit over the last few years anyway. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a good grassroots political protest. You know? And you had some politicians here, more than in the past. We, we did. We three had, different political parties. Yeah, we had... Uh, Reason, we had Fiona Patton from Reason. She's been here right from the start, of course. Um, and we had uh, Liberal Democrats here with uh, David Limbrick. Uh, and we had Tim Reid and Adam Bant from the Greens. So, um, yeah, really encouraging to see support across the political spectrum. It's a really interesting event, right? Because it's been going on for how many years since 2012, was it, or 11? 2010. 2010. Yeah. So, so is... going up nearly 10 years now, and yeah. the whole time um, the police response has been relatively minimal, even though uh, you, cannabis is a prohibited drug. still is in Victoria. There are warning and diversion systems. Obviously, you can't implement it or like off a bunch of people this size. And this has always been a... A very quiet protest. Not a lot. Of, doesn't get a lot of coverage. But this, in terms of numbers, this is on scale with some of the protests that will get national coverage. So, why why is it so easy to ignore while we still maintain pro- prohibition? Well, it's, it's it's pretty nice, isn't it, that we can have several thousand people smoking dangerous drugs in the middle of the city and it's such that it can be ignored every year because it's it's absolutely not a drama. The real thing we can take from today is that there is nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. Uh, that was that, that was my take before I actually filmed the police kind of ser- approaching somebody and searching them. And the guy, I, I don't know if he was smoking a joint or a cigarette, I couldn't tell from where I was. But he was so relaxed, the most dangerous thing that this guy could have done is take a nap. Like, he, he didn't even, like, really want to stand up for the police because he was just chilling out, laying down on a picnic blanket in a park. Like... The, the, the idea that this guy could jump up and rob somebody, assault them, shout at them, steal something, do anything criminal at all is absolutely absurd. This guy was like, I don't know what the charge is, conspiracy to nap. Like, the guy was that unoffending, unoffensive. Like, you know, the idea that this is the kind of people that are being targeted is, is just so absurd. You know, the, the idea that anybody could find somebody like that a threat, and that's the same as everybody else who's been arrested today. They are the most relaxed, chilled bunch of people you could find in the whole community right now. We're at the 420 rally at uh, Flagstaff Gardens, chatting with Matt Riley, who I think um, there's not much else uh, to be said this afternoon. Look, there's a lot more else to be said. I was thinking about all sorts of other things, but I think it's enough for this what we're doing now so um thank you matt thank you see you later happy 420 everyone stay beautiful people stay beautiful people (laughs) and that's the end of the 420 rally down at flagstaff gardens yesterday uh afternoon um also just on cannabis news quickly um fiona Patton from the reason party who was at uh the rally yesterday uh has uh put forward a uh a bill a proposal to amend our road safety laws so that people who are 
legitimately getting medicinal medicinal cannabis won't be picked up uh, by the roadside drug testing scheme, which is just a small step uh, in the direction of fixing the mess that is the roadside drug testing scheme at the moment. Mm. There was a report came out of the state of Michigan in the United States a couple of weeks back. Uh, essentially, it recommended no no threshold for any kind of testing because they couldn't establish a link to THC concentration in the blood and impairment. That's the problem we have. This is in Psychedelia on 3CR, 855 AM, 3cr.org.au and uh, 3CR Digital. You don't have a million dollars and still want to have a good education for your kid? Tune into the Dogs Program. We are the defenders of government schools. 12pm on Saturdays here on 3CR, 855 and AM Dial Podcast, streaming live on 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. We defend government schools because they need it. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. This is in Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. Uh, my name's Nick, uh, sitting in here uh, in the studio with me right now, Ash Blackwell, uh, and also Nick Kent, the National Director of Students for Sensible Drug Policy Australia, hey. which um, I think, have we, have, you, have we had you on since this restructure Maybe has not. taken place? Yeah. Potentially not. Yeah. Um, um, uh, so the the restructure, there's a lot's been going on for for um for SSDP. Maybe uh, before we get stuck into your recent trip, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about in a moment. Yeah. Um, the restructure, SSDP, growing, growing, biggering, exponentially, and bettering. Yeah. yeah. Yes, there's been a huge expansion going on over the last. I guess it's like eight months. In last year in July, we got. Um, accepted into like an incubator program with um, the Centre for Australian Progress Um, and basically that taught us how to professionalise and do kind of um, yeah like hardcore advocacy and um, yeah how to fundraise and and how to build a movement from from people that have worked in such movements as the climate movement Um, and um, yeah really integrating those skills those kind of um, like work patterns and 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 processes and all that kind of stuff into the organization which has involved us also expanding to be a national company limited um, which is kind of what we're going through at the moment non-profit of course Um, and um, yeah and that we are kind of mid or mostly uh, probably two thirds of the way through that process of um, fully getting registered to operate completely nationally and then that being reflected in the massive movement that we're kind of building. So yeah, we've got um, five chapters now in in Sydney um, and um, a whole team up there as well that's basically split the national team across the two major states, which is really cool um, and really awesome to have. Um, So we've got a lot more diverse voices, um, particularly good to be including those in the national conversation with everything that New South Wales is going through right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and then building building things from there. Um, We've got a number of exciting projects underway. Um, We've got some... um, some grant money to be doing outreach at TAFEs and regional and rural settings. Um, so really trying to expand the movement outside of the major cities as well. Um, 
yeah, stay tuned. There's going to be heaps going on this year. So, so you've got yeah. f- five chapters in Sydney, mm-hmm. uh, 12, 13 in Melbourne? Mm-hmm. I, I actually, to be, I'm going to be completely honest. I just got back from overseas, which is what um, I'm going to talk about. But I, I lose count how, how quickly we're growing. Like, <laughs> well, the, I, I know the, that I saw, <laughs> I saw just in the past couple of weeks that um, the, the Latrobe chapter just uh-huh. got their uh, um, okay to go from, from the union. And exactly, uh, I think yeah. they're going to have an event coming up. I don't know if I can say anything about it yet. So just watch this space. Yeah, so our Latrobe chapter is doing an event. Um, I believe themed around the the emerging stuff around psilocybin. So I'll just drop that for now, but stay tuned. Um, probably our social media is the best place to look for that. Um, and um, what was the other thing? Um, Sorry, what else? Did I mean, you say? Yeah, I would just all, all the Melbourne chapters, but I'm yeah. just thinking of all the things that are going on, and of course, there's right. still the ongoing yeah. uh, campaign "Be Heard, Not Harmed," exactly, yeah. which has received Thank national attention. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there was a party um, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, a uh, fundraising party uh, that I, un- well, from my perspective, it went well, but I got to say, um, I. D- I- uh, it was it was a big night. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, the team. Do, again, I've been overseas, <laughs> so um, most of the um, the management of our chapters and the campaign so far has been excellently taken over by our deputy national director Gulliver. Um, and um, yeah, we him and Andy, our Victoria coordinator, and a bunch of the Vic chapter leaders planned and threw a super successful fundraiser party um, for Be Heard Not Harmed at the Gasometer Hotel. And we also have um, anybody who's keen, um, you can check out the exact details at BeHeardNotHarmed.com as well. But this coming Wednesday, the 17th of April at, I believe, 5pm at a location at the University of Melbourne, we're holding another um, drug policy activism workshop um, specifically aimed at getting a lot of these new people coming into the movement through this campaign. Um, You know, we've reached a lot of young people, um, party goers and stuff like that who are directly affected by the lack of movement on pill testing reform um, and so really trying to give them an opportunity to learn some skills to do advocacy and to um, target a number of MPs that we've highlighted in the Victorian Parliament. Um, so yeah, come along to that um, where we're really starting to build a, a strategy around um, how to how to make the most of the current kind of political landscape to keep the issue in the news there. Um, and we plan on holding future parties and future workshops potentially as one as the year continues. And <clears throat> The reason for all of this, and this is this is the big picture reason, the the, mm. the, the, the reason that goes beyond pill testing, local policy, uh, Victorian law, uh, the reason um, why we have to do this in the first place is because prohibition is a global issue. Uh, prohibition is mandated by the United Nations, previously by the League of Nations. This is where it all stemmed from. It stemmed <laughs> through these international efforts to, to govern the planet Earth, to mm. find ways that all of us t- could come together and find somewhere to agree upon. And apparently Literally, yeah. that is that has meant that those in power have gone, hey, uh, this is this is a nice little policy uh, point scorer for us, as, mm. as it happens locally as well. Mm. Uh, and the, um, the United Nations uh, in the uh, 1960s and 70s created a bunch of treaties which uh, have created ongoing effects to um, uh, mandate prohibition globally. Literally, yeah. And totally. this, this conversation is something that you were, you've been mentioning that you've been overseas recently and this mm-hmm. is the conversation that you've been a part of at the uh, United mm-hmm. Nations um, Commission on Narcotic Drugs yes. uh, where dun, dun, dun. recently the Chief Executive's <laughs> Board was meeting with uh-huh. along with 30, oh, no, representing 31 UN agencies um, to talk about drug policy uh, mm. and, and how it's going to play out from, from that level. So right. uh-huh. where to <laughs> the, start? Big, the big story. <laughs> well, I mean, <clears> how <throat> was it? First, did you have a good time overseas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had an excellent time overseas. Obviously, um, it was first of all a super like 
special opportunity to be there um, to be able to kind of build on the awesome work that's really been started by SSDP's uh, founder and current board chair uh, Penny Penny Hill um, so she's been attending the commission um, for the last I think four years um, in a capacity to represent SSDP Australia and therefore I guess many Australian uh, young people and students and kind of really playing a youth representation role at the commission um, and Penny's now sort of graduated I guess and she's now there representing she was there this year um, representing uh, Harm Reduction Australia so which gave me the opportunity with the work that we've been doing as well around the country to really step up and represent um, even more so I think an even wider network of young people on behalf of SSCP Australia um, at the commission this year so that's what brought me there where to start in terms of what it is just, just I think, quickly yeah. on Penny as well I believe <laughs> yeah. she also got elected that's as ex- the yes. um, uh, what was the vice president or okay, secretary so, of so the Penny's now the deputy secretary deputy of the Vienna non-government organisation committee um, so it's basically a committee yeah right um, it's a committee um, uh, sorry this is the board of the committee. So SSCP Australia is a member of the committee alongside um, almost all civil society organisations that are involved in advocacy at the commission, keeping in mind that this is the 62nd Commission on Narcotic Drugs. So this happens every March, basically since the end of World War II. Um, and, um, and as you correctly identified, is the main sort of central element of the international drug control system. Um, so essentially the commission um, passes resolutions and does a whole bunch of stuff that for the next year will govern the United Nations Office of Drugs and Crime and the International Narcotics Control Board. Um, so it's mostly run and most of the stuff that happens there is built for government delegations. Um, and that was mostly the case for the vast majority of those 62 years but I think over the past couple of decades and particularly in, in recent history civil society organisations have increasingly been let inside the commission to the point now where there is a huge showing from non-government advocacy organisations I guess the commission each year always being in Vienna which is the base of the United Nations Office of Drugs and Crime there is uh, an organisation called the VNGOC so the Vienna Non-Governmental Organisation Committee which basically organises and um, kind of um, supports the coordination of civil society at um, at the commission. Um, just really interesting point there is that by civil society we mean all advocacy organisations. So the in, mm. within the same body as SSDP and, you know, the International Drug Policy Consortium and all these great organisations doing awesome things in what we would call the reform space or what I would call the evidence-based space, you've also got organisations like Drug Free America and Drug Free World within the same broader committee. So the, the general annual general meeting we had where Penny was elected was obviously an interesting kind of mix mm. um, within the room. Um, but I think, and this just might be where the arc of history is, taking us but um the vast majority of people in that room i would probably say would be reform minded but i guess the spirit of that is um the spirit of like what goes on in the vngoc and at the commission is that um it's kind of an i mean i don't know it's supposed to be this open platform where in a democratic quote unquote democratic global democracy (laughs) yeah i don't know democracy for seven billion is a little (laughs) yeah and i mean there's i could i could talk for a long time about the elements of the commission that are undemocratic so for example 
youth representation at the commission is um, pretty token in the sense that there are a vast, like, you know, several, I think there's about probably over 10 at, the, at current count, uh, re- again, reform-minded. It's co- important to make that distinction because there's a lot of different advocacy organisations there, some organisations advocating for the death penalty and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of reform-minded organ- youth organisations, there's us, there's Youth Rise, there's SSDP organisations all around the world. Um, and we're not really necessarily acknowledged by the powers that be around who runs the commission. So that being, you know, the Office of Drugs and Crime and the sort of specific infrastructure of the UN, we're not really acknowledged there whatsoever. Um, Meanwhile, there is this thing called the UNODC Youth Forum, which is basically, if you ask me, a bit of a a show. Um, And essentially they, they pluck like young people from around the world that have to be recommended by a government delegation. The UNODC also has veto power over who joins the youth forum. Um, And they basically, and the youth forum generally uh, most years runs concurrently to the commission. And it's right, in a so and it's in a separate building. Yeah, one or the <laughs> so, other. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the, the way that they sort of, um, give a platform to young people is very tokenistic and actually very controlled. Um, and we're not actually allowed in it. Um, with the exception of Heather D'Alessio, who's from Canadian Students for Sensible Drug Policy, was actually put on the forum and, might I add, her government's delegation. So Heather is actually representing young people on the Canadian government delegation. She, she probably That's would just... have had to <clears throat> do, do a lot of, uh, what do you call it, uh, interagency diplomacy. I think that's exactly. a nice way to put it. That's, that's a really good way to put it. I've some other words for it. But. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah. that's just a really interesting state of play in terms of where the Canadian government is at in terms of how progressive it is its role in international drug policy. Australia is probably not there yet, although I will say to their credit, the Australian government delegation is increasingly um, acknowledging and meeting with what we like the civil society team of Australian organizations. So we have myself and Penny and people from the Alcohol and Drug Foundation and a bunch of other sort of peak bodies in Australia, including some and some researchers as well. Um, we sort of made up the civil society team from Australia and we actually had a formal bilateral meeting with the Australian government delegation, which to mm. my knowledge is the first year that's actually happened. Um, and yeah, to their credit, they, they uh, yeah, they, they're really keen to increasingly um, engage us. And, um, um, yeah, and I actually had a, a commitment from some people at the Federal Department of Health to work with us this year to potentially get an SSDPR on the Youth Forum next wow. year. Um, so, That's yeah. Really, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, that was my major win, really, I, yeah. <laughs> I think just, like, yeah. as I'm sitting here listening mm. to these things, I, I just, in my mind of recent experiences of democracy, I haven't had quite the United Nations level. I was at, I was at the 3CR AGM the other day. Oh, yeah? Uh, <laughs> I was in impressed by how it's run. They, they run uh, democracy See, I wasn't well. impressed by how this was uh, run, so maybe, this maybe is, the UN could take a leaf out of 3CR's well, book. Well, this I is a, but I, there, is a, there is a sort of philosophy at 3CR, which you might have picked up on if mm. you've been a, a listener to other programs or a supporter of the, uh, of, of the station, um, to, to, support a, um, to support democratic values and to support the conversation. And you need to kind of have that in mind if you're going to do something democratic. You kind of have to have the value ingrained because if you've just got a set of rules like you need to talk to certain people and make it look democratic, people just game it. And that's what it sounds like. I mean, that's what we've seen so often where people go, oh, okay, we need to make it look like there's people like, you know, Gladys Berejiklian's Mm. expert panel on on drugs and festivals and she got three people that she handpicked who she knew were going to agree with with her. That's not democracy. Exactly, yeah. 
but it, she's giving the illusion of that. It sounds like the same thing happens with the United Nations. Yeah. These are complex problems because there are you know, so many people involved and, and so much conversation. But, mm. yeah, I guess it's just that. You know, this is why people don't trust the UN because because it's used as a gaming system it's, a lot. It's super complicated. I mean, how, yes. how much time do I have? No, <laughs> I'll, keep I'll, going I'll, keep for a couple going. of minutes. Like, I think. Um, okay, so. Obviously, the UN is like an international forum, which, um, you know, there's probably a significant argument to say that it's, you know, played a, 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 an important role since World War II in preventing another kind of global war and stuff like that. And I think it's really useful that there are those kind of forums where, you know, all countries from all around the world, regardless of how democratic or what values they hold, can come together and, are you know, uh, agree to disagree, basically. Um and that's important and that's very much kind of what happens at the commission i think it's really important to note some of the stuff around how that actually works so the commission um has i think it's 58 member states um so australia is almost always a representative and it's region based so being sort of one of the most i suppose um again this is only my first year here so i'm still learning very much there's a lot to learn about how it all works but um essentially australia is almost always a is always a member state um, and then they do change kind of every few years um, basically that within those range of member states there's a huge amount of diversity in terms of you know like national drug policies and you do really realize being over there and penny had always kind of told me this that um you know comparatively internationally australia you know we ain't that bad <laughs> you know like we do have the commitment to harm reduction in our national drug strategy we do whilst massively defunding and kind of boxing them up and rejecting and ignoring them many times do have funded harm reduction services in this country, um, which is, you know, not that common internationally if you really look at things. Um, so we do sit maybe on the more progressive side of things in the sense that Australia will actively, um, you know, advocate for an end to the death penalty and all that sort of, th- sort of, sort of stuff. We're actually pretty vocal on that. Um, but it was really interesting to see how within the breakdown of those member states, there is an increasing fragmentation in the kinds of national policies that are taking place so for example canada has just legalized cannabis at the federal level which is huge that's actually huge it's the first time that this sort of you know it's one of those sort of more um quote unquote stable liberal constitutional monarchy kind of democracies like the kind of thing that you know you'd never think would would rub up against international systems of control (laughs) and they've legalized cannabis at a federal level which hasn't happened say for example in the u.s yet one of the only countries to actually do that and to essentially leave the conventions which place marijuana or cannabis i should say at at schedule one um They've essentially left that convention, which you should have seen the tension all week between the Russian delegation and the Canadian delegation. They were basically at each other the whole time. And the wording around how Russia was saying, you know, you'll contribute to like the downfall of like basically humanity. Like, I don't know, it was really kind of like intense, the the values that were coming out. And then so you've got, you know, countries like Canada or like Switzerland or, you know, Australia or New Zealand, which is going to have their referendum in 2020. Um, and then you've got the Philippines, you've got Sri Lanka, you've got, um, you've literally got like Saudi Arabia who had like a stall in the kind of like, you know, you can have like stalls and stuff like that in one of the areas of the commission. And they had like all this, all these posters and all this stuff like glorifying how many people they've arrested and how many people they've tortured and executed, like, and, and the ways that they would like, you know, um, um, they had all these kind of props about how, like, for example, they had like fake lemons and then they were like cut open and outside the fake lemons were all these pills spilling out as like props about how, like the kind of ways that they seize drugs in Saudi Arabia and stuff like that, glorifying the whole way that they implement the drug control systems and stuff like that. That's one example. But obviously in terms of the, 
extremities of policy you know, there are countries like the Philippines and Sri Lanka and extrajudicial killings and stuff like that. So that's one way of implementing the drug conventions. Uh, depending on how broadly you interpret them, Canada's is a different one. And um, what we're seeing is a massive, what we call policy fragmentation around the world in terms of how these conventions should be looked at and viewed and implemented. Um, there's a thing called, this is really interesting, and you can look it up online as well. It's the International Drug Policy Consortium's website, the IDPC, um, has a a blog on this. It's called the Vienna Consensus and it's absolutely fascinating. So it's basically an unwritten rule through the commission where, which everyone's kind of signed up to since the beginning. And it's, yeah, it's not written anywhere. It's just this unwritten rule that the commission has to function according to the Vienna Consensus, which basically means that to change any of the resolutions or to change any um, of the conventions or treaties or whatever, again, I'm still getting my head around how how a lot of that works. It's, mm. it's going to, it's so well, much work involved. Too complicated for um, the average citizen. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And probably by design, if you ask me. (laughs) And, um, um, and yeah, so basically the Vienna consensus means that in order for any of those things to change, every member state has to agree on the change. So you have a committee of the whole and a plenary, which are the two main sort of sessions that occur at the commission and they occur all week, basically. The committee is where they, government delegations debate you know, the wordings of resolutions and stuff like that. And the plenary is where they kind of debate it again. It's kind of like the upper house and the lower house, I guess, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, and basically in the committee of the whole or the cow, as it's effectively affectionately known, <laughs> is um, you literally have like a screen, like a Microsoft Word doc up on the fucking thing. Excuse the language. And, <laughs> and, um, and you've got all these government delegations in this massive room debating and Russia's like, we need to put a comma there. And then Iran's like, no, we can't put that. Or I'm just using random countries. And then Morocco's like, we need to word it like that. And then Japan's like, we don't have a word for that in our language. We need to use that word instead. And it's they a week. Use Google Docs instead. It's a week. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's a week of that, basically. And so uh, that's, my. I mean, nothing can change until they all agree. And there's an unwritten rule that they won't that they'll only change things that they can all agree on. So you might get a comma, you know, you might get like a new paragraph that says something really, really vague about addressing something as undefined and as vague as quote unquote, the world drug problem, which is what you constantly see everyone refer to this thing as. Mm. I'm actually quite excited. I'm not going to make any promises around when this is going to come out because it's going to be, we don't know how long it's going to take and um, it's, it's, yeah, complicated. But basically, I'm 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 in the beginnings of attempting to write a piece with Alex Betzis from Canadian Students for Sensible Drug Policy and Orshi from um, SSDP Austria. Um, we're going to do a piece looking at um, problematization representation, which is basically how problems are constructed and represented in policy settings by the people who have the power. Basically, so why are all these like government delegations who, to be honest, are so the vast majority of them are so incredibly far removed from the realities of what people who use drugs face with in their countries, it's pretty easy to see that when you see them talk. And again, that's um, undemocratic. It's not actually reflecting the will of the people. It's reflecting a sort of uh, a, one of those whisper games that's gone along, like yeah. five different people. They've changed the story entirely, mm. and now that's what's being represented. It's, it's a perception game. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. 855 AM. My name is Ian Ham, and I'm the chair of the Healing Foundation's Stolen Generations Reference Group. At three weeks of age, I was separated from my birth family, and even though they lived just 50 kilometres away, I never knew they existed. 
I never met my mum and it pains me to this day. There are thousands of Aboriginal people just like me and our stories have never been heard. These stories form the basis of Australia's first Stolen Generations resource kit for schools. To download the kit, go to healingfoundation.org.au. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM, streaming at 3cr.org.au. 3CR Digital, Podcasting or Audio On Demand. Interested in mental health issues? Then tune into Brainwaves every Wednesday at 5pm. Brainwaves is a peer-produced and presented program addressing issues that may affect you. 3CR, inclusive radio, making your voice heard. This is in Psychedelia uh, on 3CR. We're talking now with uh, Nick Kent, the National Director from Students for Sensible uh, Drug Policy Australia. Ash. So you had this document that was like widely covered around the world, these 31 heads of the UN agencies coming together right. to, yeah. to talk about decriminalisation. Mm-hmm. So that, from the casual outside uh-huh. observer... Looks like progress. That's right. So mm-hmm. what was your take on that and what um, was the discussion amongst the other civil society groups around that particular... Um, Great question. And again, like the, I, I just have to caveat this with the fact that like I'm still very much learning about how all of this fits together. Um, the UN is this massive like mammoth thing across, like you said, multiple, multiple agencies doing all kinds of different work across all kinds of different spaces. Um, And it's a lot to get your head around because um, especially, you know, when you're there, you're also learning about like, you know, you're engaging with people on the ground, like other youth representatives and learning not only about how the treaties work or how the words on papers work, but also about how people's lived experience work as well. So it's a really interesting experience of trying to balance all of these as you learn about it all. But to answer your question, the relevance of that statement or whatever. So you had, so um, I think it was 31, all 31 UN agencies. So you've got, which, you know, you could look at how relevant the International Atomic Energy Agency is in terms of international drug policy. It probably doesn't mean much. Um, but, you, you know, significantly the World Health Organization and, yes, significantly the United Nations Office of Drugs and Crime um, joined with all 31 UN agencies to support the principle of decriminalisation. Um, and that was released, I think, in the lead-up to the commission. And it's just remarkable at how, you know, exactly like you said, Ash, you would see people, you know, at the grassroots level or just reading the news or whatever would see that and think that that looks like progress. But in terms of actually changing national government policies, um, that's all up to national governments, right, which is ultimately up to, you know, if you're if you're in a democratic country like Australia, the grassroots movements and you know constituents which are advocating to those governments, that's the only way that will change still Australia's national drug policies. Um, and ultimately, in terms of changing the UN conventions to allow for something like decriminalisation officially at the international level, you know you think that's what you're getting when you see something like that. That all UN agencies have agreed on that, but still nothing will change until the international conventions change. And I've just outlined how pretty fraught that process is basically um so i I am actually still not really sure the relevance of it and i can tell you now that it almost wasn't really brought up that whole week with everyone that i was dealing with ever because it 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 was just seen as insignificant to the work of the civil society groups yeah so um what about countries like canada that are Mm -hmm. really pushing the boundaries of the the conventions is that going to be the pathway forward just ignore the whole united nations process because <sighs> it's just too too complicated to actually get progress there on a consensus basis so countries just 
do their thing and go, well, yeah, we're just kind of not going to, you know, comply with these conventions. That's a really, really, that's like the central question here, right? And I I don't actually know if I'm qualified enough to even answer that yet. Um, And I wouldn't necessarily say that there's one option. I'm still totally even integrating everything that I've learned and, and kind of, you know, put, sitting that alongside national policy, state policy, local policy, um, you know, actual practices on the ground in terms of how policy is implemented and how that all sits alongside and ultimately does stem from these conventions at the beginning of the day. And But the question is, at the end of the day, what happens there? And like, do to change all these national policies do we have to change the international treaties for legalization? Yes. Um, I would say so. Um, and these substances do have to be rescheduled. I mean, I can give, there's so many little kind of anecdotes of little stories I can give. One of my favorite ones is actually, um, on the last day of the commission on the Friday. Um, there's no side events. So there's no sort of, um, other events that day. It's really just the committee of the whole and the plenary wrapping up so a lot of people weren't there a few government delegations had even gone home but i actually went in that morning we'd had a um a tour of the uh viennese drug checking service check it with members of the australian civil society and government delegation actually came which was really interesting to point out um but that i went back to the commission in the afternoon with paula a friend of mine who um i was staying with i was actually staying with the team uh, in the in their apartment from from maps so the maps people that were there and uh, the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies in the US and Paula does some work with them but she's also just sort of a general social justice advocate in the US that does a bunch of things and um we basically just talked our way into this workshop that was run by the International Narcotics Control Board and you needed a red pass to get in. Our passes were yellow, which means we're civil society organisations, not government delegations. But we just, I don't know, it was weird. It was the last day, everyone was tired. We just kind of talked our way in and they had all these like, it was literally a training session thing and you people could just drop in and drop out and there were all these pamphlets and I've still got them all on, um, <laughs> it's literally like a training thing on how to use this software that the INCB is rolling out all around the world that police agencies are apparently going to use all around the world for how it's called PICS. It was Precursor Incident Communication System. And so it's basically how they are tracking and seizing all precursor chemicals all around the world to stop, uh, to to better coordinate. So basically they showed me the program whereby your local person at the Australian Border Force or whatever will upload a photo of the seizures they've made and fill out all these criteria that go into an international database that the INCB can coordinate with all other such authorities around the world, basically. So so they're That's, trying to improve prohibition by better data management. Ex- exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, I, I could, that's totally going to work. That, yeah, that's, I know. I mean, it's, just, it's again, it's the, it's the, it's like slapping better band aids on problems, you know, like rather than than actually dealing with the root cause, which is, hey, I guess people want to consume drugs all around the world. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I have a question about 3D uh-huh. printing, but I'm going to put that aside for the moment because we're, we're nearly just out, of about out of time. Okay. And so, something that Penny brought up at um, the first uh, UNGAS that she went to in 2016 yeah. was how the civil society groups were locked out of a lot of the processes right. yeah. and that actually helped them build these networks yes. that they've been working together for the last four years mm-hmm. to, to coordinate better. So, are there positive stories Stories there yes. about the international civil society groups and how they're working together. Great that we question. Can maybe wrap up. Yeah, on. it's a really good note to start ending on as well. Um, I'll just um, add as well that there is a full. I do have a full um, international report which is up on um, our website sscp.org.au forward slash international. You can see um, the full fifteen-page report there. Um, but yeah, really great question, Ash, because. Um, 
Yeah, so four years ago um, when the commission was actually held in New York alongside a United Nations General Assembly special session on drug policy, um, that was kind of the big thing that happens every, I guess, 10 years or however often where they basically delve into it even more and ask even more questions over an even longer period of time. Um, And that was a big event internationally where... Um, a lot of, as I mentioned, a lot of these reform-minded drug policy organisations, particularly the youth ones, um, were basically locked out of a bunch of sessions. They weren't given the right passes to things. Um, and like you said correctly, that gave people an opportunity to actually meet when you're locked out of the room and figure out why are we not allowed in this together? Oh, you do the same thing in your country as I try and do in mine. Isn't that funny? Blah, blah, blah. And what came from that was actually some funding from the Open Societies Foundation, which is kind of an international um, progressive fund for a bunch of these reform-minded youth drug policy organisations to convene in Bangkok in 2017, which I was actually invited to as a chapter leader who was sort of starting to step into the international space back then. Um, And we put the groundwork in to actually begin forming a network of international youth drug reform organizations. So you have SSDP International and everyone within that network, but that mostly operates in English and Latin American speaking countries. So there's a lot going on in in in, in Europe and, and Asia and Africa and, um, and there's a bunch of other organizations that are in that space. Um, so we actually all got together and talked about how we could start to formalize. Um, we named ourselves the Paradigma Coalition, um, which is you know, I actually freaking love it. Like it's, it's, you know, our, our central premise is that we're all here to advocate for an entirely new paradigm in this space. Um, and, um, and we chose that word because it actually makes sense in a lot of different languages. Um, and so there was a kind of a, a, you know, an attempt to kind of decolonize there and put, um, you know, non-English speaking countries at the forefront. And that's really what we try and do in the whole process as well. So Paradigma actually supported uh, Marisa Morales from APSD. So Estudiantes por Políticas Sensantes de las Drogas, which is SSDP in Latin America. Um, Yeah. So she actually spoke to the plenary in Spanish on behalf of Paradigma, um, on behalf of like youth reform organizations. So we have been able to begin consolidating. Um, it's, it's, It's a lot of work, particularly since a lot of these people are volunteering in their capacities anyway um let alone trying to get add more work to them um to try and coordinate us more but each year um we are working more and more on it and we've chosen the commission as the central place each year where we'll meet um so we actually had a strategy workshop um on the saturday before the commission which was held in the same hotel um conference center as the international drug policy consortium's strategy workshop as well so we were kind of the the youth the kids, I guess, um, and then um, the the adults in the space. So the IDPC is a consortium that coordinates a lot of these reform-minded organisations internationally. Um, and, um, yeah, we basic, basically those strategy workshops were occurring um, side by side. Um, we collaborated a lot throughout the day um, and we set a lot of plans for how we were going to coordinate at the commission and, more importantly, how we're going to stay in contact throughout the year in preparation for future commissions as well. Um, so those kind of networks are forming. Um, the conversations are there. Um, it's going to be a really long slog to um, basically get us the platforms that we need at the commission to call the things out that we call, can call out um, and to basically put as many of those youth uh, in terms of paradigma putting those youth representatives in contact with government delegations in contact with the youth forum um, in contact with all the kind of powers that be um, to begin staking out those seats at the table that we need to start changing these things you know throughout our lifetimes yeah excellent Uh, well thank you Nick Kent the national director for students for sensible drug policy Australia we look forward to hearing more as this goes forward over the next um 
you know, years. Yeah, yeah. Look forward to to keeping it up and um, hopefully we can increase youth participation there in the, in the coming years as well. Yeah. All right. Cool. Thank you. National Director of Students for Sensible Drug Policy Australia, Nick Kent there, finishing us up for this afternoon. Uh, and before we go, uh, do get your tickets for EGA Garden States. We will be broadcasting live from there, uh, but there is a lot more going on if you do get to the event. Uh, the website www.entheogenesis.org or find them on social media. We'll repost the link uh, on social media and it's happening on Sunday the 12th of May uh, from 10am. The online submissions portal for Victoria's Royal Commission into Mental Health is also open at the moment and there's a uh, range of public hearings. You can find out more at rcvmhs.vic.gov.au. Thank you to everybody who has made the show this afternoon possible, uh, the people we interviewed, uh, the people that you've heard playing music and whatnot. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday afternoon. Queering the Air is up next. See ya. This is In Psychedelia. Comments, complaints or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website. 3cr.org.au and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. This has been a 3CR podcast. You can hear in Psychedelia live every Sunday from 2pm. Head to 3cr.org.au for more.